This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. We're ignoring this nonsense from my producer. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and of course, Nick Gillard, James Howard and DR Kernaz of Back of the Nest. And talking of gifts, gentlemen, you've been asking, you've been praying for goals at Selhurst Park all season. And they're like London buses, five of them for you at the weekend. Exactly, I couldn't believe it. I was just shocked the fact that this was a home Premier League game. At Selhurst, and we scored five goals. It's like what? they were they were good goals as well, weren't they? Exactly. I was like, <laughs> we waited on we waited thirty eight games to have a big performance like that, and then it came. I was happy with it. I said it before we left last week. I said, you know what? I just want to see goals. I don't care if we lose five four. I just want us to end well, entertainment, like, yeah, wasn't it? And you you predicted nil nil. What happened there? Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it might be a typical Palace like home game and it'd be like nil-nil because everyone was really expecting goals as we're not playing for anything, so I thought it might go against us. Well, it wasn't a typical Palace home game in more than just the scoreline because, of course, it was confirmed after the show that this was the last Palace game full stop for a real club legend, Julian Spironi. He's been at the club forever. He's a glorious servant, a glorious goalkeeper, now virtually geriatric, finally calling it a day. Lots of fans were calling for him to start, but Roy Hodgson wasn't having any of that sentimentality. No, apparently Julian actually approached Roy and said look I don't think it's right that I should play that's what I was told um, and fair play to him that's the sort of guy that Julian is um, a very very nice approachable person I've met him quite a few times mm. in the corporate hospitality suite um, he's been at the club so long he, yeah well yeah, <laughs> name dropping there <laughs> but uh, he's such a nice guy and I you know he doesn't want everything to evolve around him and as I said last week you know it would have been I think it's too much for him to to come in and play the last game. And if something happened that we didn't 
you know, he sort of dropped a clangor, as I said. It wouldn't be... I think he could have been on the bench and I think yeah. he could have come on for five or ten minutes. Yeah, Because he featured earlier this season and he did drop a clangor. Yeah, but then he featured again at home and he made some vital saves against Tottenham in FA Cup. So yeah. he's had a good performance and a bad f- performance. I knew, I know that Jules said that, but I was just a bit surprised that he wasn't at least on the bench. Yeah, but I agree I, with you. Yeah. Jules is that type of person where he wouldn't want to start. He's not going to go to the manager and say, you know what, this is my final game, can I please start? He'll say the opposite, which he did do. But it's really up to the manager from then on. I don't know. I just I would have preferred him to be at least on the bench and maybe come on for the last five minutes if if he wasn't going to if he wasn't going to start, which was the case. But that didn't happen, and Wayne Hennessy was there. But being that I thought Gaeta was a bit sloppy on two of the goals, it might have been. Um, I didn't really know. five one. Uh, yeah, I didn't really look at Gaeta like that. I don't no, know. Just, no, he's. Uh, yeah. I, I thought he could have got down quicker for for the first two. But um, that game had two of my favourite moments of the season, all in one game. Which was yeah. um Yeah, it was exciting um, game. I can guess one of them. game. Well I'll, I'll go back <laughs> to it, but back to Jules. Um I was looking at a photo of him somebody put on Twitter from Match magazine, uh from fifteen years ago when he first started. Man, that kit was huge. He looked like a kid <laughs> on the first day of term with his uniform that he's gonna grow into. Um so you you gotta remember the time out he had when Gabal Kirali stepped in and he and he waited. He didn't go to Another team, he didn't drop down a couple of divisions. He just bided his time, put put the work into his game, and, and then the position was his again. He was signing autographs during the second half yeah. um, down near the tunnel, and it was hard whether to watch the game or watch him because, you know, he timed one, and, you know, everybody came down then for him. But he he, he was very patient with them, and, and it, just seeing the, the genuine joy in people's faces when they got selfie with him. We're hearing rumours, by the way, that Wayne Hennessy didn't know who Julian Speroni was <laughs> or whether it was his final game. So we can't blame him for the situation. He deserves... He de- no, going back to Jules quick, if one player deserves a statue right now, um, I think it's Jules, outside of Spark. I really do. I just... He's a cl- you look at your face is a bit, com- but honestly, for what he's done for Palace, I know he, he isn't a world-class goalkeeper, but on and off the pitch, you have to realise that he's done a lot off the pitch as well. And he's just Mr. Crystal Palace. Like when players used to come in, I think I've, um, Jules has said it as well. He, he's the first one to greet them and put them in a the club. And you saw it by the reactions after the game as well. These players, there's some players that haven't played with Jules on the same pitch, but they, it's, it's, it seems like they're he's like a father figure to them. And it, it shows that. And, you know, 15, I think 15 years now. Yeah. yeah he, he deserves a statue in my eyes. He's yeah. better, than, better than Michael Jackson, eh, Fulham? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit sort of wondering why he's sort of that's it really I'm thinking you know was there not an opportunity for him to carry on as a coach or still play a coach as a third keeper I don't know maybe he wants to go and play elsewhere yeah, we don't we yeah. don't know do apparently we? he said that he's going to go elsewhere and play and yeah sometimes players don't even want to be coaches I know we always assume like when a legend retires oh why he should be a coach at the club sometimes they don't like it but with Jules he I, I think he wants to go and play and maybe after his playing days are over I can see him coming back at coming back to the club yeah we in when we me and James were little back all them years ago <laughs> they used to either become a cabbie or um get a pub wouldn't it yeah, absolutely, yeah. A few players have done that. <laughs> Which do you think Speroni would be more likely to do? Uh, well, he's already opened a restaurant, hasn't he, in Purley? So uh, I don't know if you know you're aware of that. But uh, no, I don't know if that's still going. Yeah, is I it? think oh. it's, yeah. It was, 
Did oh, it go a little bit? It was an Argentine yeah, steak yeah, re- restaurant, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I never got the opportunity to go there. I really wanted to as well. That might be why. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I hope it wasn't health and safety or something. <laughs> but he's, he's got the <laughs> no. restaurant at the ground named after him. Yeah. And Speroni's, which is oh, it's all right, isn't it, in there? Yeah, it's nice in there. Nice yeah. meal, yeah. Have you been yeah. there? You I, said I you, went there you, once. Oh, so you, you have uh, frequented uh, the no, place once. then? No, he's well, talking about a club. The, no, the, the, no, the, the corporate uh, hospitality, <laughs> which he frowned upon on me just earlier. No, no, going. I can't believe the leg room. <laughs> the leg. My legs, my, I'm not going to do the marathon march this year. My legs are absolutely kaput at the knees. Half of it is walking because I haven't got a car at the moment. So 57 miles I did the other week in one week. That's just work. And um, the seats are so close together in that main stand. And um, the gentleman in front of me wasn't the child that's usually there, and he wouldn't stop rocking backwards and forwards <laughs> and every time a sharp bit of the chair in my kneecap good old Sellers Park good old Sellers <laughs> Park yeah but what about what about the atmosphere though just we got to say something about the atmosphere on the weekend it was brilliant wasn't it I yeah. mean it was back to the old days wasn't it all the stands were cheering and up on this you know their feet it was just fantastic yeah it was a perfect ending really to the se- to the season last home game um was that Everton one? Was it Everton? Yeah, Everton one. The atmosphere was a bit dull at times, but I feel like the atmosphere on a weekend, it was just fantastic. You couldn't really ask for more from the fans. Do you think the... Because um, the Bournemouth fans added to it as well with all their inflatables. We haven't seen inflatables uh, at Seller yeah. since we played Man City in the old second division before with the Premier League um, when they were on their way down to the third. Um, sorry, Man City, you got... Got to remember where you were once. Um, <laughs> but that was good. And I thought the match was played, I don't know, it was like we had the shackles off. And I'm sure as the show goes on, we'll talk about it. But we just seemed more open and flowing and without having any end of season nerves that, you know, we could get relegated. It, it just made the game so much better. Well, coming up is what we saw at the weekend, a taste of the kind of football Palace could play if Roy Hodgson took a few more risks. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. We've been calling for quite some time for Roy Hodgson to take a few more risks as Palace manager. I know that you, DR, DR Kernaz of Back of the Nest, feel that Palace could perhaps have a bit more joy if they were a bit more forward-thinking and took a few more risks. Of course, five goals scored, three conceded at the weekend against Bournemouth is the definition of forward-thinking, the definition of risk-taking. Would you like to see the team play like that from the get-go next season? Yes, in a way. And this is because it was a final game of the season. We have to consider that as well. Bournemouth and Palace both, it seemed like defence wasn't a thing. And I feel like if we play like that next season, we're not going to score five goals every game. But you saw how dangerous we were going forward. And it's just simple. simply, if teams are going to sit back, then we can do that if if we have the same formation out there and the same players out there. And I feel like that's the best way to approach it because this season, you look at our waveform and we're Europa League club. We're, we finished sixth, I think, in a waveform table. And then you look at our home form, we're 18th. So it's not rocket science. Our home form, and you can see it by the way that we play at home, it's just not up to standards. But against Bournemouth, there were signs of optimism and hopefully Roy carries that on um, for next season. Yeah, I think uh, we did create quite a few chances earlier in the season, but you know we've now got that natural goal scorer. Um, well, we have. Well, we had up we until had the it, weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's proven that uh, you know having a, a natural goal scorer um, 
is is a big difference. It's, um, it's all right because Sorloff's coming back. Oh, ah, okay, Sorloff. No, yeah, exactly. Sorloff. I'm just messing with your yeah, mind. Sorloff. I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> apparently, he's uh, uh, there was some video of him catching something from the stands. That's probably the best highlight he's had. Um, he's scored over the a, weekend. He's scored a few goals in that. Is it Jupiter League? In the... Jupiter. Jupiter. Okay, yeah. he's yeah. scored a few goals, uh, but apparently they're interested in buying him on. Yeah, buying him this summer. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. For yeah. more than nine million. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Would Would you be happy to see Sauloth go? Because he looked completely anemic in a oh. Palace shirt, but we haven't seen very much of him in oh. a Palace shirt. I've seen enough of him, to be honest with you, to realise that he's not up to the grade. Um, unfortunately. I think there's some really, really tough decisions that have got to be made now at the end of this season. And Roy has got to sit down with, with the owners and say, look, you know, what are we going to do about these players? Because we've given them long enough, we've tried them, and they're just not performing. And we've either got to go out there and get spend money on the likes of Batswai, and we might have to lose a lot of money as well by ripping up contracts such as Ben Teke's. Mm. But... A thing that I want to touch on, um, Jason Punch, and he was another player that left uh, on a weekend. And just looking at the bigger picture, Jason Punch and Julian Speroni, both of them, you could offer them a contract, maybe on low wages. But the fact that the club is moving on from them, I think it sends a big message out there that the club is thinking more financially rather than just looking at, oh, it's Jason Punch and oh, it's Julian Speroni there. You know, they've contributed massively. And I think that's a good thing for the club as we've got so many players that, just don't influence uh, don't influence the team in any way and there's no point of them staying. I was interested, James, by your suggestion there that the club could rip up the contract of the likes of Christian Benteke. Do you think we could actually see that happen? Because from a business perspective, you'd have thought the likes of Steve Parrish would at least be looking to recoup a few million, upwards of 10 on Benteke. Well, I've had a, a long, hard think about this. Um, and, um, you know, he's on a lot of wages and... Nobody's personally. I don't think anyone's going to come in and buy him on those wages that he's on. Um, the only club that I think may purchase him if they go up is Aston Villa, yeah. based on what happened at Villa. You know, what he come on, you Villa. baggies! <laughs> I want him to win tonight. <laughs> so, so you know, what the situation is? Do we go another season having him as a squad player, or do we just say, look, it's not working out? we take whatever we get for him or rip up the contract because he's using up the place of another striker. I think that that's something that the club are going to have to obviously seriously think very, very hard about. Um, yeah. I, I think he makes a difference when he's been coming on, though. I've, he, you've got to remember how injured he's been. He's been crocked mm. all the time. I mean, Wickham made an appearance. I mean, what, what's going to happen with him? Um the difference yeah. between him and Wickham, right? I'll tell you this completely. Absolutely, Benteke is an extremely strong, powerful player in the box, especially when the ball's coming in at, at a height from, from, from wide. But Wickham, Connor Wickham, is, is, is still got age on his side. He, hold, he can hold the ball up. Uh, he traps the ball. He passes it. He retains possession. I have seen enough of Benteke that if he's not scoring... He's actually a disadvantage to the team because it just gives the ball away every time. But but then Conor Wickham, he doesn't play as much. So, like, all right, Conor Wickham can get the odd goal or two, but he hardly plays due to his injury. So yeah. I see him on the same boat as Ben Teke. 
I'm not arguing. I'm not saying that Conor Wickham should stay. I, I'm not oh. arguing that one. I'm just saying my reasons for yeah. where we okay. have to seriously consider ripping up the contract. But I absolutely agree with you. There has to be a point of where we say. Well, but then again, Conor Wickham will be on a lot of wages, and he's still under contract. Is anyone else going to come in and take a punt on him on a player that's been injured for more than two seasons? Well, I, I'm sorry. I don't know whether if we're going to going to lose Benteke. The only option I can think of is China, where they maybe he'll get his wages matched. But if we lose Benteke, we need to have got somebody in first because I don't want to be in the situation where we were at the start of the season with with hardly any fit, recognisable strikers. And I think that's uh, that's a good point because I know that Benteke has uh, is on high wages. But then again, I don't want to lose Benteke for too cheaply. Like some people suggested, five million. I feel like. That's just too. I feel that's just too low for Benteke. And he's still got that name Benteke, and as bad as he's been, I feel like we could at least send him for ten to fifteen million if someone come for him. Anything under than fifteen million quid for the amount that you spent on him There's and no his point. pedigree as a Premier League striker. For me, I'm not a Palace fan. You guys know better than I do. But looking in from the outside, insanity. Yeah, I agree. It's... I agree because if we have an injury crisis, he's still showing glimpses of hope. Does he? And you've mentioned Nick that he's had injuries. I'll still keep him at the club. Uh, he's got yeah. one more year. I'd rather he goes on a free than we send him for five million and we don't have a. Sh- we were missing a striker for the well, rest of the season. Well, just say, look, you've got till January to sort yourself out, Mister Christian. Um, and if not, you can go. Yeah, but he's. But what I'm saying is, is that if he stays. Okay, I would like if he stays. Fair enough, but I I don't want him playing every week. Not the way he's playing. He's been playing this season, to be honest with you, because he, even if he's not scoring, he he's it's like on on Sunday. You know, we played so well. We knocked the ball around. We didn't give the ball away. We scored goals, and when Benteke was playing, we weren't because he is the weakest link and he is giving the ball away too much. But, but then when Benteke was playing, we wasn't playing that type of football as we were on Sunday as well. He you can't play that type of football. Well, the, big, the biggest question about Benteke, and I take your point absolutely, James, is whether he's happy to play a bit part role off the bench. Because the situation in which he is obviously useful is, as you say, James, because he can't play that kind of football. You have him on the bench as option two and route one. If yeah. it's not working, you go back to Allardyce ball. That's a good option. But would he be happy to sit on the bench until the 70th minute every game and then come on at that point? Well, if you're going to have Benteke, you need Wilf and Tauno on the wings, getting the balls in for him to head them in. If you cross, cross, he will score eventually. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I we... think if you've got two up front, and as you say, you've got some two very, very good wide players, fair enough. But But, you know... It's not gonna be. We're not gonna be able to play like that every week. Not against the top six, maybe the top ten. Um, you know, if we can't get rid of him, we we keep him as a squad player. Um, yeah, fair enough. Comes off the bench. Is he happy? Is he gonna? Johnny said, is he gonna be happy with doing that? Well, if I was paid the wages he's paid, I'd be, I'd be happy just coming off the bench. Well, what about wage cut? Would he be happy with that? Let's say we sign him on for another two, three years, and he agreed to a wage cut. No, I wouldn't. Would never extend. I wouldn't extend it at all. I don't see why he'd agree to that either, because I, I doubt he has any real love for the club. I'm not saying that he's particularly a mercenary, but I don't see why any Premier League footballer with the option of going to China and getting bigger money would go. Yeah, I'll take twenty grand a week less. But is he is he still in line for being picked for the Belgian squad? And would going to China actually hinder? 
him getting in and playing alongside Well, ordinarily, you would say so. We've seen certainly Seydorf, uh, who's been manager of the Cameroonian national team, say that anyone who plays in China isn't getting in my squads full stop. But taking the Belgian example, certainly when Roberto Martinez was in charge, Yannick Ferreira Carrasco went from Atletico Madrid to a Chinese team and still started for Belgium in the World mm. Cup. So the Belgian FA don't seem to have any particular issues with that. You know your onions, don't you? Well, I, I, do, I do about the Belgian FA. <laughs> Talking of the Belgian FA, one Belgian striker misfiring, one very much on the money. Michi Batshuayi looked lethal at the weekend. And coming up, will he still be looking lethal at Selhurst Park next This is Love Sport. Next season. Michi Batshuayi got two goals at the weekend and talking of high scoring performers Johnny Bairstow has just got his 762 ODIs for England England 194 for one chasing a target of 359 looking very very comfortable and Bairstow has been a big part of that Batshuayi looked comfortable at the weekend, supported by a superb Wilfred Zaha. It's everything you want as a centre-forward. We haven't been sure about him on this show. Still, of course, only on loan from Chelsea. He's had moments of excellence, moments where he's failed to convince. But the first goal for him at the weekend, a glorious, instinctive striker's finish. The second, clinical on the end of an excellent piece of work from Wilfred Zaha. Does he have to stay? It'd be lovely if he could. I mean, that, that first goal in real time... That was something else, wasn't it? it yeah. Was yeah. Almost, it's you, you couldn't wait to see the replay on the Jumbotron after that one. It was just... The Jumbotron. Jumbotron. That's <laughs> that a technical term. I don't, that's what they're called, isn't it? The big tellies? <laughs> big tellies now. It's just what is LED it? screen. LED screen? <laughs> yeah. I, I, we're uh, sticking with the Jumbotron from now on. I don't care if it's right. That sounds excellent. Anyway. I thought I was right. It's always been a Jumbotron, hasn't it? Come on, you're my I age. I don't know. Oh, it looks like a mini Jumbotron. A mini <laughs> Do you remember the old scoreboard that was like an 8-bit and every time a player got booked you had this really bad animation of a referee wagging his finger and a teardrop <laughs> coming from an 8-bit player's eye? Vaguely, vaguely. The only, the only scoreboard that could accommodate Burnley's badge. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, where were we? Where Back were we? Back yeah, it was a look, fantastic look, finish. I've, I've, even from the start, I felt he, was a, he, he showed that he was a natural goal scorer. Mm. Right? I've never been particularly disappointed him maybe the the times that he hasn't performed are because of the system and the way that Roy set us up maybe you know we've had to play him up front isolated yeah. and he's not that type of player um but quite clearly if you stick the ball in front of him whether it's in the penalty box or just outside he will score goals for you and uh, that's who who was it he scored against where he redirected the ball but it looked like he meant it was it his first goal? Leicester away. Might, might have been. It was a deflection, wasn't it? But it was no, a... he knew what he was doing. Oh, okay. I'm not too sure. But he's a natural goal scorer. Yeah. I know that for sure. And um, the thing about him and Benteke, I remember this Benteke conversation all started from, we would rather, if we were living in an ideal world, um, we would rather sell Benteke and bring him back to I or keep Benteke. And I... I would if if we were if we had the opportunity to do, to do that then I would have done that uh, like I would do that if I was Palace. Um, Batshuayi is a natural goal scorer and as you said our strikers have been isolated at times because of the way that we play and 
When you give him the opportunity, he scores. And he's a natural goal scorer, which is what we need. So are we agreed that given the choice, in an ideal world, you'd keep Batshuayi on a permanent basis next season? Oh, definitely, yes. yeah. Yeah, 100%. We don't okay. have a goal scorer. And he's he's our only goal scorer. And, and who else is out there that's going to be available that we know can do it? Yeah, and who you know fits in with the team as well. The big question then is, are Chelsea going to let him go? He cost them a pretty penny when he turned up. Hasn't quite worked for him there. But of course, Chelsea are currently operating under the shadow of a potential transfer ban. It could kick in this summer. It's being appealed. That appeal has been taken to the court for arbitration of sport. If they follow the kind of protocol they followed when Spanish clubs have had similar bans in the past, the ban will probably kick in from January. But if Chelsea are worried about not being able to sign players this summer, you talk, DR, rightly about Palace not having a goal scorer. Chelsea feel the same way. Mm. Giroud's inconsistent. Higuain, they absolutely despise. So is there a worry from a Palace perspective that Maurizio Sarri or even higher up that particular Chelsea pecking order might be looking at Batshuayi and saying hang on a minute you could do a job at the bridge 100% and that's why I'm not confident in signing Batshuayi but I would love it if it uh, you know if it did happen but yeah as you said the transfer ban I think it could go against us and I, I don't see it happening you know there's a couple of players for Chelsea have got that I'd love to take and that's obviously Batshuayi and, and I think Tammy Abraham who who's yeah. now on loan those two players would be I mean we, if we could retain Batshuayi Make him permanent, and then we could also maybe get Tammy Abraham. I would, I would, I would love that. I doubt that would happen, though. It's doubtful. I, but I think <laughs> even if, if we get Batshuayi on loan, I'll still be happy with that. Just another season on loan, yeah. and just see where what happens from then on, and we'll see. Because Batshuayi, we haven't really seen him. You know, every player goes out of form for a certain period of time, and we haven't seen our Batshuayi, so we don't know how he reacts when he isn't playing well. Because since he joined Palace, he's he's been pretty well in scoring goals. So if we get him on loan for another season, I guess that would be the best thing for both parties, as we'll see Batshuayi through his ups and lows and see how he performs throughout the season. Just just having a look, Chelsea on loan strikers, uh, Christian Pulisic. They've got like 300, Pulisic. haven't they? Pulisic, he is coming in on a permanent basis. Not quite a striker. He'll play on the right wing for Chelsea next year. Izzy Brown, who's at Leeds United. He's not good enough. Tammy Abraham, not good enough. I think Tammy might be good enough. I think he might get a chance, yeah. but he won't lead the line for Chelsea. I don't know why they got Victor Moses down here as a striker. This is on the <laughs> Chelsea site as well. Oh, the fifth stand. It is. And uh, Morata. Yeah, and Lucas Piazon, who's at Chievo at the moment. I think we can rule almost all of them out. Morata, yeah, I think, Weiss. is going to go to Atleti permanently. Piazon is ridiculously bad at football. Batshuayi is the best option. Yes. It? So, yeah, that's what makes it harder for harder for us and the transfer ban even makes it worse. But if that ban doesn't come in this summer, Chelsea then... It's still hard. And the flip is still hard, but Chelsea will go the other way. They will realise because it'll they'll have an answer. Right, mm. So they'll know that a ban is coming into place in January. Keep in mind, it applies for two windows, right? So they'll be banned for January and they'll be banned for next summer. So what Chelsea will do, if I know Chelsea, and even though we're hearing that Abramovich is perhaps losing interest, they're going to overbuy. They're going to go mad because they know that they can't make any changes for the following two windows. So if they do stick with Sarri, they're going to buy a striker. They're going to buy a striker. They'll probably buy a central midfielder. They'll probably buy a left back because they'll have to get the business done. So in a funny way, if the ban doesn't come in immediately, that could do Palace a favour. 
It might do, but then I think other clubs will be interested as well in Batshuayi. It won't be only us. So it really depends on whether Batshuayi was happy at Palace. I know he scored goals, but... If he you, seemed happy. Yeah, he seems happy. So I don't know. It, it just depends. I think that, that is an advantage that we could potentially... Um, take if, we, if that does happen if they bring in more players yeah I mean the, th- the thing is with a player he's got to be right for them as well and, and he's got off to a really good start you know in his in this season with us so to continue that into next season does he really if he gets the opportunity to sign for, for us of Palace um, he'd probably go for it rather than maybe speculate and go for another mid-table team in the Premiership and think well am I going to fit in am I going to work well with the system and what we saw on Sunday was that you know he was thriving off Wilf and Max Meyer's passes and through balls it was just fantastic so he knows the service he's going to get and he has demonstrated that it works for him and the team works from him (laughs) on that point how much do you think that Batshuayi's future is contingent upon the futures of other people because if you say to Michi Batshuayi Come and play for Crystal Palace. You'll have Wilfred Zahar setting you up. That's a lot more appealing than come and play for Crystal Palace. Wilf might be off, but I promise we'll get a replacement. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think a lot is also dependent on whether Chelsea win whenever the Europa League final is. Um, Because that will get them, you know, it'll make them seem a lot better than they've appeared to have been in the league. So you you might get more Chelsea players deciding to stick around. Yeah, and they'll get into Champions League, won't they, if they win yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, it could be in a scenario where it's similar to Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Batshuayi stays at Palace and then he gets an, his opportunity um, towards... He, Ruben Loftus-Cheek straight away didn't get the opportunity to perform at Chelsea, but uh, he waited and he got his time and then he started performing and scoring goals. So it might be a similar situation with Batshuayi. Batshuayi might look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I know it's different because Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he was younger, but he might look at it and say, you know what, I might as well stay at Chelsea. I could potentially play in the Champions League. I just have to wait for my opportunity. So that could be another factor to consider as well. Ruben being English helps because they're talking about bringing sort of higher, uh, higher numbers for English. Yeah, it's that down, homegrown yeah. element. Homegrown, he needs yeah. to tick that particular box. If you were to get him, how much do you think Chelsea can charge? Because these January loan moves can go one of two ways for each club, right? Firstly, for Chelsea, it can be positive in the sense that if he goes and performs, as he has done, they can add another 10 million quid to that fee. And for Palace, it can be a concern as well, because as we've seen with Yuri Tielemans at Leicester, if you only get him on loan and he's then brilliant, you get mm. Europe's elite coming and trying to nick him. We're seeing that Andre Gomez, who's been on loan at Everton, could now go to Spurs. How worried are you that another team will come in for Batch Y? Yeah, it's a chance. That's why That's why I mentioned it um, a couple of minutes ago that even though Batshuayi has been performing well for us, another team, another maybe Europa League team or Champions League team might come for him and you could potentially go there. So I feel I feel like that is another factor to consider. We'll, we'll be bringing you updates, of course, on the situation throughout the summer. Hopefully we will soon enough have a permanent signing of Michi Batshuayi to announce. And coming up, Andros Townsend, obviously one goal of the season. Hang on. No, wait a minute. He didn't because he didn't win the league. What's that about? This is Love Sport. 
You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernas, James Howard and Nick Gillard of the Back of the Nest podcast. And gents, we're going to begin with a question. Who should win Premier League goal of the season? Which was the best? Andros Townsend. Against City? Yeah. James Howard? Absolutely. Andros Townsend. Nick? The guy for Bournemouth who got the own goal. That's <laughs> the funniest thing. Oh, yeah. That made... That was one of the best things I've seen this yeah. season. It was just comedy gold, but no Andros Townsend. I was going to say, what about have... you? Well, who Andro- do you think? Andros Townsend. All right, as, yeah. a, as an unbiased broadcaster, Andros Townsend. It's a full-blooded volley from 30, 40 yards against Manchester City. It's an extraordinary goal. And I'm genuinely baffled that anyone could pick other goals. We've seen great strikes, of course. Jefferson Lermas wasn't bad at the weekend. But Vincent Company has won it for that screamer. And it was a screamer. It's a fantastic goal against Leicester City. Of course, a crucial goal in the penultimate day of the Premier League season. <laughs> Arguably the most significant of all. But was it the best? No. It w- they picked it based on what was the most significant goal of the season. Not the best goal of the season. Um, because they said Company as if he didn't score that goal, they might have not won the league. Well, it's not about it's the if, actual. The rules is that it's the best goal of the season, and they changed the rules basically. If that, Townsend didn't score that goal, then City might have been way ahead anyway. No, no, I, no. I'll admit. <laughs> so it's it's just because it's happened at a different part no, no, of the season. Companies it's, it's goal, rubbish. No, they had a vote. You vote. You you did it on the app. Vincent Company got twenty eight percent of the votes from viewers. And Townsend got 29%, if my memory serves me correct. So you can tweet in or phone in if I'm wrong. I'm quite often wrong. But he actually won the vote. And then it was put to Shearer and Badge Kisser Wright, um, <laughs> who went for the company goal. I know, and Gary Lineker as well. I feel like I feel like um, uh, Wright, he, he was actually going for Townsend and then he kind of got pressured towards the end. And Lineker, they chose company. But that's the thing I don't get. Nick, 100%, they, their goal was most significant. Like I don't feel like Andrews Townsend's, Townsend's goal against City was more significant than company's goal. But then again, that's not the rules. We're voting on the best goal of the Indeed. season. And everyone, it's not only Paddy's fans, other fans from you know other clubs, they were confused as well. And I feel like it's just big club bias. That's if, it. It, if it was bias in the fans and it was just more fans ringing in, I know Man City haven't really built up their supporter base from when they were in the old third division not long ago. Um, but you'd think that they'd win it by a lot longer. But back of the nest has uh, in the past put itself forward to podcast awards. And it's always podcasts from the big teams that get through to it simply well, because they've got the a FBA's bigger support. this year. Yeah. Arsenal Fan TV, both in terms of the TV channel and all of their podcasts, won a huge amount of things because of their social media oomph. Yeah. Yeah. But, Um, I mean, we were in the finals two years ago under our old iteration. And um, that year, Liverpool won it, Chelsea won it, Man United won it. It was, um, yeah, pants, really. And, And, again, we've seen that in Match of the Day. So how come, you know, a year ago, was it last the season before... Giroud got that goal with a scorpion kick. That was goal of the season. That, that was, was against That Palace. was Arsenal against Palace. I was at that game. And it was a fantastic goal. But the game ha- didn't have any real meaning at all. It was a bog-standard home win for Arsenal against Palace. So, you know, based on that, that t- the technique was fantastic. He got a goal, des- well-deserved goal of the season. I just think that the likes of Shearer 
and right are just so overwhelmed by the moment and their emotions just get the better of them. Well, it's what we're dealing with. And it's with. not professional. It's not professional, no. but is what we're dealing with not just big club bias or perhaps not even big club bias at all and not significance of goal bias in and of itself but rather a kind of memory bias in the sense that company did that two weeks ago it's fresh in the memory everyone's still excited about it whereas you know andros townsend we were all screaming and shouting about it but it was six months ago and we've all had had a bit of time to calm down yeah they're, they're like kids I mean, it's, you know, they remember the things that good that happened last week. They don't remember the, the things that happened that were good six months ago or a year ago. It's it's so unprofessional. Um, I, I just wish they'd have let the, 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 the viewers vote for this because uh, that, that, that's obvious, obvious that Townsend would have won it if, if, if every, the viewers had a chance to vote. Well, personally, I'm not going to watch Match of the Day for the next eight weeks. I know. <laughs> You're going to boycott it in yeah. the closed season. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very noble of you, Nick. I'd like to personally commend that particular sacrifice. I think we've all agreed that Andros, as the old cliche goes, was robbed. Yep. But there is positive news for Palace, potentially, certainly things to look forward to. We've had a new home kit. It's been yeah, that open was... to the fans. We can have a look at it. Now, I need you to select amongst yourselves the best wordsmith. And what you're going to do is you're going to paint a picture of this home kit because not everyone listening is going to have seen it. So I want to know exactly what it looks like. So it's like last season's kit, but there's a white. It's white instead of yellow. Um, it's got <laughs> like yeah, very colours. thin white stripe in between. I can't remember in the middle, in the left hand side, on the right hand side. But was it in the red stripes or the blue stripes? We've got blue shorts, which is unusual. Um, a lot of fans prefer the red shorts. Yeah, it don't shoot, kits yeah, it don't suit it. Blue. Um, by the end of the match, it looked like a toddler had been sucking the collar of it because it seemed to come loose. So <laughs> I hope they weren't the real thing that they're going to be using because it stands out. Yeah, I, I it like stands it. out. I thought it looked like a, a Bayern Munich kit from behind. It looked like it, it could have been one of theirs. Yeah, it rem- reminds me of two, three seasons kit. ago. Yeah. yeah feel like that as well and it also felt like it should have tdk slapped across it it just felt oh. a bit like that tdk adidas kit that we had years ago so do you like a retro it. feel because this is something that is very very fashionable retro football shirts are loved by many people lots of clubs call for their new kits to go back to the old kits does it have that sense for you and does that please you yeah, I mean, that comes around every few years. When when you were going around in nappies, now you've revealed your age. <laughs> you had uh, Man United playing in the original Newton Heath strip for a season and Aston Villa. They, they had lace-up ties for the collars. Do you remember when they all came back, James? Yeah. And I think we we didn't really go into that. We had the, um, the Don Rogers kit came back for the centenary year as an away kit. But that was the only nod back. Because I heard rumours that it was going to be claret with very thin blue stripes a bit like the 1969 kit when we were when we were playing them but they turned out not to be true that's quite a nice i like that kit actually because that kit is a lot of people buy that as a casual top don't they that yeah i've got the don rogers one because that's the first one i ever had when i was four so it's kind of when you're uh, four, I had that kit when I was four. Wow. You buy yeah. it personally. I got bought it. It was bought <laughs> yeah, for me by my mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you, it went off. Um, didn't feel like today's kits. Is it worth buying the new kit? Do you think? Yeah, I, I, well, I'm over fifty now. I don't want to be. Um, <laughs> you know, well, if he was going to buy a kit, it stands out. It does look good, apart yeah. from that that collar bit. 
I like it. Well, talking of buying things, Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish is open to new outside investment, but the club are not in talks with controversial former Manchester City owner Thaksin Shinawatra about a £150 million takeover. That's been rumoured left, right and centre. The club are denying it. Is it something you could see happen? Uh no, I feel like it came out yesterday, the story, and today they're denying it. So yeah. I don't feel like there's, uh, it's going to happen. We talked about it on our review show uh, podcast yesterday. He's an interesting character. He's had corruption uh, allegations. allegations. He, of course, had his assets frozen whilst in charge of Manchester City. Yeah, and he seems like a type of, type of man who's overambitious. Um, when I read about him, he seemed like... When they won a game, he still wasn't happy. When they lost a game, he wasn't happy. So he was a quite he was a grumpy guy. But if you look at his net worth, he was worth around one point nine um, billion dollars. This podcast you mentioned is it available anywhere, dear? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's yep. www.backofthenest.com. Thank you very much. So we have to get that in. Um, if you base this new owner, I mean, he's from Thailand, and they have a Thai owner at Leicester, and look what they've done. And the owners there have significantly invested quite a bit of money and they've stayed at the club for many years uh he's very passionate he i don't i don't i think he was exiled from thailand yeah he was is. yeah um, he's, he's living in dubai now and he's i think his sister's how, how, trying to run the country how far had he <laughs> taken man city before they were taken over by qatar it's, it was one year he was there i think 2017 to no, not no, 2017, no, no. Was, 2007 it was, it was a good while ago it was it was the sort of mid sven era if if memory serves, where they had the likes of Ilano and Stephen Ireland, and they were quite good. They were sort yeah. of an upper mid-table Premier League side, but he didn't oversee that breakthrough into continental qualification. And also, he was involved in politics around that time, and he's not anymore. But it's not going to. There's no but- fault of his own that he's been exiled from Thailand. By the way, they had a military coup there, and he was doing a perfectly good job, and uh, he just got basically shafted. Mm. The people, the pe- I mean, I, I, t- I, I travelled in Thailand for about a year or so, so I read the newspapers. But um, the the people loved him. Uh, he actually did a lot of good for the poor people in Thailand. Um, but the the military and and uh, and the royalty, I can't take too much about it. But basically, uh, yeah, he got shafted and uh, he he had to go. A, a complex situation there, of course. <laughs> but uh, I, I think if you look at the bigger picture, though, um, it's the fact that American owners. We heard a rumour a couple of months ago that they want out. I think it's true that yeah. now that this rumour is coming up that... Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name. I know on podcast I called him Mr. Frank, so I'm going, to, I'm going to call him Mr. Frank now. It's the fact that Mr. Frank was interested in buying a club. Uh, so I feel like the America, it shows that the rumours about American owners leaving a club is true. Yeah, um, but the fact that we've had uh, Colonel Gaddafi's son <laughs> and P. Diddy interested in buying <laughs> us before. Is, um, that, is taking... that as a coalition or are they in no, no, separate, separate occasions? Um, so I'm taking anything with a pinch of salt. I mean, well. James James has shed a lot of light on him. I, I knew nothing of this. It's almost like you you're being sponsored by him you you're so, I'm, I'm sure he's not so, imagine um, that p diddy at selhurst park that would be quite something coming up there are winners there are losers of every takeover bid there were winners and losers against bournemouth at the weekend we'll be saying which players impressed and which disappointed hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Love Sport. Finally, there were goals at Selhurst Park this weekend. Five of them for Palace, three of them for Bournemouth. That can mean only one thing. Some players did very, very well. Some players not so well. Now, I was impressed and interested by Patrick van Aanholt because on the final day of the season, he seemed to be exactly what we have discussed about him all year. Exciting going forward, James, with an eye for goal and defensively, if not inept, certainly pretty flimsy. Yeah, what he did, he proved how effective he is going forward and and getting the goal. But uh, he also gave us that opportunity to attack very, very quickly um, and link up with our forward play. Um, And that's what he can do on his day. You know, he he is a very, very good player. Um, And I'm not so dismissive of him. I've always said that he's still, we should still retain him. And I think he's high quality. He's an international. He just needs to be managed better. Uh, by whether it's by his teammates or by his manager just on his defensive side of the game but I I felt he had a, a pretty good game yeah that's the thing with uh, Patrick I don't I, I don't understand it it's the fact that he wasn't the greatest defender like even when he was on form but he wasn't this bad I still feel like he can be half decent defender but even looking at the game on a weekend he at times he was just so out of position it's just so confusing um but of course, he got that goal, and I feel like it was the right decision to start him. As I said in previous shows, if you sit a player, you know, certain players can take um, different reactions from being dropped out. So Patrick Wanano, maybe if you just sat him out for this game as well, he may he may have overthought it, and you know it could have affected him affected him in the long term. So it was a good decision to start him. He got a goal as well, but I still see I still see a quality player there. He just needs to improve in the defensive end and hopefully this summer he'll focus that side of his game and come back stronger. So we probably need to be just a bit careful what type of games he plays in. So maybe he's not the player we play every week against certain teams, but he is capable and good enough against certain opposition, but maybe not every week. Is he going to be happy with that though? That's the thing. Because he, he is effective going forward. And I've said this about McCarver as well. Is if he's getting five, six, seven, eight goals a season, that's not a bad return for a player in his position. And I, I, but if, for all his defensive frailties, I don't want to lose him for those eight goals. Yeah, I don't want to lose him as well. I just feel like we need to strengthen the left back position. Now, when he was playing decent, we didn't really look into it as much because we got left back who's solid. But now he's showing the cracks where. We don't have a left back and we can't really drop Patrick Van Aanholt as if we do. I know Joe Wood has played there, but he's not a natural left back. And 
there's just a massive space there. So well, we need to strengthen the left back position. I don't know if we should look at academy or get someone. We've got in, Schlupp. He can play left back. He's not, he's not. I don't see him as a left back. He came into the club as a left back, but now Roy Hodgson has converted him to more of a midfielder slash a winger rather than left back. Well, maybe he converted the wrong person then. I think he, if it wasn't for him being injured, I think he he would have definitely slotted in at left back rather than Ward. Uh, because I've seen him play at left back and I've seen him do a pretty good job there. Yeah, I, I thought that as well. But then the game against Manchester United, he took off Patrick Van Aanholt, Roy, put Slup at left back. And I'm not lying, a couple of minutes later, Slup it out of position, he's, he got lost and United scored from it. It wasn't even that. It was less. It was almost less than a minute. And there, there was confusion about positioning and the transition didn't go as well as it should do. Now, I don't know... Whose fault that would have been, whether that's the players' fault or the players around him's fault. But yeah, it was it was but, shockingly bad, and he look, he did get coated for it. Whether it was all his fault or not, I don't know. But. I don't think he came on to actually specifically go in at left back. That no, he was playing. Point. You know, he was playing in midfield, exactly. and then he slotted to left. But still, it's just his positional it, awareness. It, it happened very very quickly. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to sort of put the blame on on him. For I that. think the yeah. Man United made saw that and actually yeah. made the most of it. But I, 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 even though Slop can play left back, I still want another left back. Just in, because if if he's going to continue the role he's played this season, he's more of a midfielder and winger. And let's say he doesn't play there, then we need another midfielder winger mm. to replace Slop. Perhaps Roy needs to dip into the transfer market in the summer for a left back. But you did score five goals. Some people did excel. Who were your real winners? Wilfred Zaha, without a doubt. I think he was involved in every goal really and he was just phenomenal I remember Bournemouth fans that were chanting he's going to cry in a minute and oh. then he went that was the best moment of the season he's, a couple of seconds later he grows up the pitch annihilates Nathaniel Klein and then Lerma the player who he got a yellow card you know he pushed yeah. Wilf uh, Wilf stood up and then he ran past him got a lovely assist and I think it sums up Wilfred Zaha you just annoy him and he'll go and do that well, that, that does it. Sorry, it sums up the best and worst in Wilf. Uh, the worst was the, the moaning and you just thought, oh, no, no, don't carry on. You're going to get sent off. Heads dropping. You're thinking, Roy, just get him off. And then the next minute, you just see the best of him and he rang the length of the pitch, yeah. crossed the ball and it was in. Yeah. It makes me laugh as well because like players don't tend to react to what fans are trying. But with Wilf, he does. like He put his um uh, like, his hands around his ears and he was like to the Bournemouth fans, I can't hear you. I know he went and got assists after, but you can see the reaction. You can see that he, the Bournemouth um, fans were actually getting to him. And sometimes that's not the greatest thing because other fans of other clubs can look at it and they could continue doing that because they know that they'll get under our best player skins but I feel like that was a good thing to look at like Wilfred Zaha actually giving a reaction to the Bournemouth fans Was it his last performance in a Palace shirt? He was absolutely brilliant do you think it was him stepping up to the plate saying thank you saying goodbye? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I know you, you ask this every, every week, Johnny. He's going to leave. And I'm, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen his comments on social media and there's nothing that suggests there was no sort of goodbye wave or anything yeah. at the end of the game. So, yeah, I'll, he'll be there next season. There, there were some rumours flying about when he got subbed that that was so he could say a proper goodbye. Oh, no. Just another winner. <laughs> we'll, we'll stop. We've got all summer to talk about whether Will stays or go. Um, Luke Dreyer, I thought, made a very, very, very solid debut off the bench he looked just calm just for like five minutes <laughs> no but he looked calm for that five minutes I've watched him closely no um, I, I agree with you and he had a hundred percent pass rate it's um, easy if you only play three in five that... <laughs> no but he, he, he wasn't 
he wasn't flustered by the no. occasion at all. And uh, who else was it? There was another player that was on the bench but didn't make it. Uh, oh, I'll have a look it, look it up. But um, Sako came on. Sako came on, but there was another. Was it Sako came on and fell over? I remember that. Callum, somebody was <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he tripped yeah. over his own yeah. feet. He was, that he was, was quite he funny. Was, actually. He was about yeah. to fight Adam Smith, I think, at a certain point as well. <laughs> he had a good, good run down by the corner flag and uh, made. Made uh, a bit mockery out of one of the Bournemouth players. Luke Dre, he's been injured this season, really. So do you think next season Roy will give him a bit of a chance? Um, Well, if Kuati has to step in and fill um, Luca's shoes, if they can't sort out that contract, then Dreyer might be in there. Yeah, that's a big worry with Luca. Any other particular winners for you, apart from, of course, Michi Batshuayi, who does need a mention? Um, yeah, obviously he's. He, we've talked about him earlier in the show and clinical and yeah, he 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 got his two goals. Should have probably had a hat trick, but I I thought actually Max Meyer had a good game. Mm. He was on the ball a lot more, and I think he he played some good passes. His vision was good, um, and I think as I said before, you know this is his season where he's just bedding into the Premier Premier League and he's getting used to the football. I think he's he's going to be a good player for us next season. Yeah, and uh, I've got to give a shout out for the Bournemouth goalie. He looks quality for somebody so young. For someone who conceded five goals, I thought he did an excellent <laughs> yeah. job. No, no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and a clean sheet on debut. He's still 19. He was the youngest Premier League debutant for a goalkeeper when he started against Spurs since Joe Hart many years ago. Could be an exciting time to be a Bournemouth fan, an exciting time to be a Palace fan as well, and an exciting time to be listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio because coming up, Dean Gordon, Palace legend, is on the line. This is all of the time. All at the time. Hello and welcome back. They caught you out, Nick. They caught you out. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and the lads from Back of the Nest. It's DR Kernaz, James Howard, and Nick Gillard. James Gray, the afternoon show, the James Gray show, I should say, presented Dancing Behind the Glass with us. He loves that tune, as do we all. We love the Crystal Palace Fan Show, and as do you, because you're here with us. But we're just going to turn our attentions for a moment to the playoffs in the championship. We've got a semi-final second leg that's just kicked off. It's Aston Villa away at the Hawthorns against West Brom. Villa, of course, 2-1 up. They were a goal behind in that first leg. Equalised through Hurahan's absolutely extraordinary screamer. West Brom, of course, without Dwight Gale, the star centre forward for this second leg after he was dismissed for two yellow cards. Gents, who are we backing? I'm going with Villa. So, yeah. I don't know about you guys. Well, I, I want Villa to go through and go up to obviously spend money on Benteke. So. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Nick? I've got lots of baggy supporting friends. Um, so just for them, I want West Brom to come straight back up. Hmm. Um, I'd rather they still had Darren Moore as manager, though. But, you know. I agree with that. It's yeah. going to be tough for them, though, without Gale, isn't it, tonight? You've, you've also got to consider what will happen... To Abraham and Grealish, if uh, West Brom prevail tonight, will it be silly season in the papers tomorrow? Well, that's an interesting one because I was just saying um, during the break that Tammy Abraham, uh, how many goals was it they put up? 29. 29 goals he scored. That's a fantastic return. And I've seen him play at Bristol City in the Championship. And I know he's played in the Premier Premiership for Swansea, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, 
I think he would be an absolute ideal target for Palace. And I'm not saying that initially he's going to start the game every week. I think he could well possibly. But I think he would be the perfect player to get in for, for Palace. In a sense, don't you think that Chelsea will will offer will want something similar similar to Batshuayi in terms of Tammy Abraham? Into, oh. into like fifth at least 15 to 20 million. Well, maybe back sure they want 20 to 30 million, but it's still going to be a lot of money. I, I don't feel like Chelsea would get him, let him go for free because he's he's had a good season in the championship. And also there's that risk where with Dwight Gill, we saw that he's a brilliant championship player, but can he do it in the Premier League? I'm not saying that Tammy Abraham might not be able to do it in the Premier League, but still, would you pay 15 to 20 million for a player and there's a huge risk like that? I think there's a bit of a subplot to how Chelsea are going to look at Abraham versus Batshuayi because, of course, Abraham counts as a homegrown player, right? So if whichever one of them stays, if either of them does, if the one who stays is going to be third-choice striker, Chelsea might go for Abraham over Batshuayi, even if they think Batshuayi is the better player because Abraham ticks that particular box. Yeah, but even so... Tammy Abraham at his age is not going to want to sit on the bench so there might be an opportunity where we could take him on loan um, if Villa don't go up but yeah I feel like I just feel like it's just too similar to Batshuayi I feel like the situation is too similar Batshuayi wouldn't want to sit on the bench and he would want to go out so it it really depends on who Chelsea prefer um, I feel like the homegrown thing that I don't think about that's probably going to increase his value even a bit more because it's, it is important uh, for clubs like Chelsea, so if we had to, so we we have to pick between Batshuayi and Temi Abraham. I'd rather go with Mitra Batshuayi, really. Can't really? we go for t- both of them? <laughs> you can, but then that's going to be so much. Even with Batshuayi's loan fee, how much was it? Three million. Three million. And they, re- they rejected a was in an eight million from Tottenham for basically a couple of months. And yeah. So Chelsea will probably charge huge amounts of money on loan for a whole season. So we buy them outright for maybe. What fifteen million? And how yeah, do we, Tammy, Tammy Abraham? I would right. I think we you're t- looking at twenty. Yeah, possibly right. 20 fifteen plus. to twenty. Okay, but yeah, for Tammy Abraham, you think he's, he's yeah. worth? Because 20, I, I think 25. that if we look at the, the amount of goals he's got, it's not just that, James, and it, that's a big factor. But you pay an extraordinary premium at the moment for English players. They're yeah. becoming more and more valuable. It's silly season for English players. He'll be an England international in the next few years. You can add another five mil for that. I think we're looking at 20 to 25. And that's why I'll probably go with Batshuayi because he's already proven himself. Um, I'd rather pay that money to Batshuayi than take me Abraham. And he hasn't got that time that he needs to embed in and get to know the squad and... Well, I guess you can do that for if we're if you're signing him if you're getting him for a season, whether on loan or if you're buying him permanently. I feel like yeah, you could, you know, go into the squad. But then again, Batchwise used to it as well, used to the squad and used to the system, so it'll take less time. But we're talking about retaining Batchwise, so he's already part was already part of our team. Now we were earlier we were saying you know the possibility of. Connor Wicker moving on maybe because he's a bit too injury prone. We've got the possibility of Ben Teke going. Understatement. With, right, <laughs> so there's two players which Nick you said earlier I wouldn't like to let players go without replacing them so we have to think about who we're going to bring in. We've got Sorloth who has had his chances hasn't really cut it. It's a right so, off Sorloth I think. Yeah. So we've got three strikers that arguably we want to let go. We have to get quality players in we're going to have to start spending some money and get a couple of decent players in you can only spend what you have though that's and if, the thing if that the I just Americans want to want out are they going to want to help invest in players that they might not get 
on, on it the realistic well. option is as crazy as it might sound. I could just see us getting Jordan I for four million as a replacement. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not me. even joking around. I I can just see that happening because because of the way that we are right now. But, but he Tammy doesn't Abraham, enough goals. Yeah, but we're not really in a position to spend huge amounts of money on Batshuayi and then with Tammy Abraham, let's say we get him on loan, he's still going to be another five odd million plus so, for a whole season. So you say we haven't got enough money, that's why obviously Steve Parrish is in the media saying that he's looking at other finance coming in from abroad and there's been rumours maybe about the ex-Thai Prime Minister etc etc. Yeah. So P. I Diddy's think- son. I know P. Diddy, Colonel Gaddafi's son, who are, I should stress, different people. So, so, (laughs) or are they? (laughs) They are. Have you seen them in the same room together? (laughs) So, so basically, the club have recognised what the situation is that there is a problem. We need to get rid of players, but we need to replace them with quality. We haven't got the money, so we have to raise finance. It's like a business that's going going downhill. Just to um, move away from Palace ever so slightly and staying with the playoffs, um, obviously Brighton got rid of Hewton yesterday. I've heard Frank Lampard's name put in the frame from somewhere, whether it's just social media nonsense. But um, what do you make of Brighton getting rid of Hewton? I know they had a pretty poor run. I think it's deserved based on their form. It's not with with, um, Darren Moore um, and we're talking about West Brom. I think it's a different situation to Hewton because... Brighton have just been shocking um, this second half of the season, really. After they beat us, I'd, how many games have they won? Like one or two? Or three? That, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's rightly so. But it's, it is hard in the Premier League as it, there's so much expectations on you just progressing. And I feel like Brighton, they just want to move on to the next step. It, does seem it like is a huge risk, though, because I can see them going down next season without Hooton. Hooton kept them up, and I can see them going down. I think the interesting thing about this dismissal is that Brighton fans were less surprised than anybody else. I and was I just going to say that. I think that yeah. tells yeah. you something. I yeah. spoke to Jeremy Smith, who is a French football expert and a massive Brighton fan, and he said, listen, it looks harsh because they did it the day after the season ended. But in a funny way, if it's a decision you're going to take, then take it as soon as possible. It gives Brighton the time to get in a replacement. It gives Hewton time to find a new job. And the big question is whether he's responsible for the signings. Because I've seen this argued both ways. I've seen people say... Well, Brighton have got a substandard squad. Hewton can't do any better than he's doing with that. And I've seen people argue the other way. I think perhaps harshly because they did previously have a head of recruitment and see people argue, well, yeah, okay, they've got a substandard squad, but they've spent a lot of money. And if Hewton's spending money on players who aren't good enough, it's his fault, it's his problem, and he deserved to be shown the door. Well, this is what I've been reading. You know, initially I thought, well, that's a strange decision. Why let him go? Because he's he's done well at, you know, at Newcastle and they let him go a bit too soon, I felt. But... Um, yeah, Brighton fans are coming on the social media and saying that he was given a lot of money and he has spent money. Whether he spent it in the right areas of the, yeah. of the fit, that I don't record know. signing, Johan Bash. I know he there's, was the top scorer in the Eredivisie, but he's awful at there, football. Yeah. There's squ- I'd, like I'm not saying this because I'm a Bright, oh no, Brighton fan. Because I'm a Palace fan, but <laughs> when you actually look at the squad, the squad ain't like there isn't any players that really stand out for me. Honestly, the, all the money, yeah, yeah. Glenn Murray, that's it. But, it yeah, exactly. So I feel like, yeah, they've got a bad squad, um, but it'll be interesting to see who they appoint because it'll show whether they're happy with staying in the Premier League, uh, if they appoint, I don't know, a Pulis type person, or would are they going to go and appoint a Frank Lampard type and try to see um, if they could push on and, you know, 
push up the table a bit more. You, Five you, or top ten finish. You talked about their terrible run. Did you see that table of the last 14 games of the season where Palace came fourth? Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like been, it, though. It doesn't fit. It really doesn't feel like because it. Because the, the difference in away form compared to home form is just ridiculous. But that, you know, if if we'd started the season like that and we did one year with Pardew and somebody mentioned Europe and it all went wrong then, didn't it? The moment <laughs> That's what Europe always was... happens with Pardew. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Roy's actually looking at that. What a good job Roy's done. And I've been thinking, oh, you know, is it time for him to go? But looking at that and the run, I think we should we should stick with him and actually people need to realise what a, a better That's... job he's done than what we may be seeing at home. With Roy, is it a question of balance? Because one of the things we're hearing that Houghton might have got the sack for is playing perceived excessively negative football, right? Which, DR, is a criticism. You've possibly fairly levelled yeah. at Hodgson at a few points. But we saw against Bournemouth at the weekend that Roy does know how to play attacking football and the players can do it. So if we get... That same safe pair of hands, but with just a little bit more invention, a little bit more risk-taking, could he not be the perfect boss? He, yeah, he could, 100%. I said it on a review pod um, yesterday, how if you actually look at, for instance, Max Meyer, we've wanted him to start at home games. And in a, in a way, it's good that Max Meyer didn't start against Cardiff and started against Bournemouth. And another home game, which he started before Cardiff, was Everton. So it seems like Roy's slightly changing it up, and that's all I want to see. I don't want Roy out for no reason. It's not some some fans they just want Roy out, and they're not going to change their way. They're not going to change their thought regardless of what happens. I just want Roy to make changes, and he's slowly making them changes. So in fact, going into next season, if he continues this trend, then I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a purely hypothetical question now because I'm interested in where your attitudes on Roy are currently sitting. Mm. Would you rather have Roy or Chris Hutton? Roy, 100%. Roy. Yeah, Roy. Uh, In a way, I'm happy that Hooton's gone because we've been outmanaged by Brighton in both of the occasions that we played them this season. We we all know what happened last time a Brighton manager came to Palace. You're talking about... I'm just just checking my facts here, but you're talking about Roy pushing on and and being a a manager that can take us forward. But you have to remember what he did with with Fulham in the UEFA Europe. You know, he got Fulham up the league and got them into the, the yeah, final that... of the Europa's Cup. He's got the potential to do that with a club like ours. Without a doubt. We're not much different to Fulham. Um, and I think that we... He's obviously, in my eyes, I, I think I was more in favour of keeping Fulham even up to a few weeks ago. Maybe you were not. Um, keeping but I Roy. Think he's Roy. Got, uh, sorry, keeping Roy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Keep um, I, uh, the last two games have convinced me that he's he's got his stay of execu- execution, which I think you would agree. Yeah, yeah. He'd be there for yeah. next season. And yeah. of course, the, the team that's on tonight, West Brom, I mean, he left them to go and play for England. West Brom fans look at Roy like we look at Koppel. Yeah, they without, love him. Without re- respect and, yeah. A score update for you from that Champions Championship playoff semi-final, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> Nearly getting ahead Champions of myself League, yeah. there for Aston Villa. <laughs> Aston Villa are 2-1 up from the first leg. The score on the night remains 0-0. West Brom 0, Villa 0 at the Hawthorns. Updates for you throughout the show. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show, where I've just been very flattered to be presented with a glorious birthday card from the 
good people from back of the nest. Very, very kind gents. It's not Thank every you. day you're 15, is it? <laughs> <laughs> behave, behave. In just a moment, we will be talking to Dean Gordon, who is, of course, a Palace legend. Interesting to get his take on this current Roy Hodgson situation. DR, even you have been won over, haven't you, by the end of the season? Yeah, 100%. Um, if he continues making changes when things are not working, then I'm happy. That's all I wanted. That's it. I'm delighted to say we've got Dean on the line now. Dean Gordon, legendary Crystal Palace player. Good evening, Dean. Thanks ever so much for joining us. What did you make of that performance at the weekend? How did it rank amongst the great Palace ones? Because so exciting going forward and yet so flimsy at the back. I think it was a classic last game of the season. Both teams haven't got um, much to play for. Um, so it was always going to be, you didn't know whether they're going to win, draw or, or lose. So the fact that it was a high scoring game, I think it was a fact of players already on the beach booking their holidays. And it was just one of those um, games where anything could have happened. Um, so I, I don't really look much into their performance. The fact they won the game is probably the only bonus you can take out of it. And have you been impressed by the way that the club have finished the season under Roy Hodgson? I know not every fan has been certain about him throughout the year. Where do you stand? Do you think he's the right man to take the club forward? Definitely. If you look at what's happened to Brighton in the last couple of days with Chris Hewton, it's been a shock to everybody, the fact that he's been sacked and he's lost his job. Um, They've just managed to stay up, but I think staying in the Premiership is probably a very, very difficult job for any team that's in the bottom half of the table. And I'd see their league position as as a plus and not a negative. And I think it's the same that uh, for Crystal Palace. I think they've stayed up comfortably, even though there was a couple of scares throughout the season where they were struggling for form. I think where they've ended up is, is a great position. Um, lots of positives. Yes, there's always going to be negatives, but I think Roy has done a fantastic job with their final position um, and I don't think you can have too many complaints myself. You're right, Dean. It's, it's so hard not to be chanting Dino when I heard your voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, we finished 15 points clear of the relegation zone in the end. So why, why, why do you think there was that panic? Is that just a Palace thing? I just think it's most fans in general. I think if you go two or three games with losing or you're not playing very well, People tend to panic. Um, I've spoken on this show quite a few times, um, especially before Christmas, where they were going through a bad period. Um, A lot of people were were panicking, but I was confident that they would always rise away from the relegation zone with what happened the previous season, where they went 10 games um, without winning the game. Everybody panicked. So the experience is there, where players have been through the, the, the trials and tribulations of can't win a game. People are saying they're in relegation trouble. And I was always confident that they would come out of it. There's been so many positives out of the, the team with Bissaka coming through the ranks and doing so well. Um, you've got Batshuari, who's who came to the club in the second half of the season, who's, who's done very, very well. And I thought that was a fantastic signing. So there's lots of positives um, that's what's, what's happened in the past few months. And I think Roy Hodgson is, is a central part of that. So, Dean, yeah, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to ask your opinion. We obviously finished quite strongly. Um, if we'd have started that strongly, we we could have been, you know, possibly pushing for 
10th uh, place. But uh, what do you think Roy needs to do over the summer? And what positions do you think we need to uh, look at maybe replacing or, or what players do you think we need to bring in and, and maybe let go? Um, I think probably we may need another centre-back. Um, I think the striker area is an important area where we struggled in the first half of the season. Um, with Benteke being out injured, we always struggled for goals um, during the season at, at vital times, even though we've come through it and, and we've managed to, to be safe quite comfortably, like you say, 15 points. I think a striker is a, is a main priority, maybe a central um, defender. Um, I think the, the core of the squad straight down the middle is, is, has been... Oh, sounds like we've just... Oh, Dean does leave. still with us. Sorry. has to be... Yeah. What, what, what did you make of Wardy's performance at centre-back, Dean? Because that's kind of like his fourth or fifth position I've seen him play out for the team. Oh, I think we've got some signal yeah. problems with Dean. We'll try and get him back in just a moment. Dean Gordon there will hopefully be back with us. Crystal Palace legend. Dino, Dino, you were almost chanting. Yes. Yeah. Can I can I ask DR that question then? You can. What do you make of Wardy yeah. centre-back? Um, Happy? Yeah. I'm, I think it was the Watford away game in the Premier League where he had a shocking game at right-back and I actually suggested that I think in a long-term future playing Joel Wood at centre-back may be the right thing because Joel Wood what he's struggled struggled with the most is stopping crosses coming into the box and at centre-back you don't have to deal with that you just have to head the ball away when he does come into the box you don't have to stop it coming into it. so I feel like yeah I feel like in a long-term future I could see Joel Wood playing that and he had a decent game um, on, do, on a weekend and do you think we'll see Sacco occupying a centre-back position next year because I was I was worried this season uh, I know he got asked about Champions League and everybody's going to say they want to play in Champions League if that happens but uh, I was a bit worried how freely he was chatting with uh, Solskjaer when, when we played Man United at home and mm. was taking selfies with Pogba and and just I know they're pally-pally out of, out of matches anyway but it just seemed he was there for rather too long, and I'm just—I don't. Am I reading too much into it, or maybe? Yeah. Well, we've got Dean Gordon back on the line. Dean, thanks hey. for joining us again. I'd be interested to hear your <laughs> thoughts on this. As a player, obviously, you're going to have mates in football outside of the current club you're playing for. How likely are you to be influenced into moving to a club because you've got familiar faces there, friends who you know already? Um. Oh, God, that's a tough one. I think um, throughout your career, especially coming through the youth ranks, you, you grow up with a lot of players who end up leaving the club, end up playing for other clubs. Um, there's always friends in football where, you know, um, you, you can have mates in every club. But I don't think it will influence me making a move to another particular club unless it was, I'd say, a club maybe in a higher position, fighting for Champions League, um, I think there could always, there's always the, the point of players wanting to play higher at a bigger club or playing in the Europa League, Champions League. I think that's always a pull. Um, it's never really happened to me. It might happen to other players. Um, but if I'm happy at the current club, I probably would be uh, content to stay where I was. I, I don't think... Um, 
anyone could influence my decision to leave unless, like I said, it was a, a club in Europe or something like that. So as as a player, it's quite important that if you're settled and you're playing well, that you it is a bit of a gamble, isn't it? You're saying for a player to go to another club and start their career. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I, th- I think it is a gamble because sometimes the grass isn't always greener. And so, if you're yeah. playing in a team, playing in the Premier League and you're winning and you're comfortable and you're happy where you're living, um, I think it's it's probably best to stay where you are unless the offer you're getting is is significantly more than what you are getting. Then sometimes that can be um, the tipping point where you think, yeah, maybe it's time for a move. Right, Dean, one, one last question for you. Football season's over. What are we going to do with ourselves, mate? Have you got any tips? You know what? I was thinking the exact same thing today about <laughs> without what happened in the last couple of weeks of the season with you know Liverpool doing so well and 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 Spurs winning at Ajax. You still got the Champions League and the Europa League to come, but you know in the off season I'm I'm, I'm lost for words, mate. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm always looking forward to pre-season. It's just lucky that I think it's it's probably for four six weeks before pre-season starts. It's, um, a, it's I, a short gap this year, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very short gap and you've got some England games, but it's never the same about the Premier League. Even when it's there's a break for um, international breaks and things like that, I never like international breaks. I like to, to, to see what's coming up with the Premier League and I'm not sure what I'm going to do myself personally. <laughs> well, yeah. Dean, the football will, will be back before you know it. Thanks very yeah. much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Dean Thank Gordon you. there, Palace legend. Nick, of course, is still completely starstruck. And coming up, <laughs> it's time for a bit of a chat with you. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and the guys from Back of the Nest. Just a quick update for you from the ODI. England requires 74 runs off 13 overs against Pakistan for the win. They're currently 285 for three, chasing a total of 359. But now to more important matters. It's time for your four-word reviews. Oh... David Bray will kick, a, kick, us off, bleh, kick us off with let's hear some positivity. So let's. Let's, let's okay, at Radimus Prime, Wolf's last Palace game. That's not positive, mate. Come on. <laughs> Dave Wimborne, Wolf Zaha on fire. SF Jerry has said, are we at Sellhurst? Very good. Yes. Alf CPFC has some advice for Bournemouth. Don't boo Wilfred Zaha. <laughs> um, Mr. Cadbury's parrot. It's a winning kit. Um, Warren Dawkins, goals and sun. Amazing. Great team performance today, uh, says Mark Drew. Uh, Jenny Sanders says, where has it, this palace been? And um, last one to Mike Deacon. Keep Wilf, sign Mitchie. Now, we've we've done a lot on this, so I'm not going to labour the point. But is that possible, that both of those things happen? You keep Wilf and you sign Batshuayi. Well, I'm hopeful of keeping Wilf uh, regardless of signing Batshuayi. And I feel like it is possible, but it's going to be hard um, getting Batshuayi. Well, you Batshuayi. say that, but when you listen to an ex-player like Dean that's just come on and say that it's really important for a player to feel comfortable at a club and yeah. if they're scoring goals, they fit in well it's a bit of a gamble for them to go elsewhere. It's, it's just the fact that he's under contract at Chelsea and Chelsea still have a final say on how, how much they want to sell him for if they do want to sell him. 
That is a massive goal. Sorry, DR. Absolutely huge goal in the championship playoff. It is the ancient ancient veteran centre half it is Dawson who's got the goal and what a goal it is and we can see Dwight Gale who of course has got a two match ban for that red card in the first leg he'll miss the final at Wembley should West Brom play in it it's come from a long throw I love a long throw and it's the big centre half he rises highest nods it flicks it back across the keeper goes in off the post and it's a wonderful wonderful goal for West Brom Defender should have had that. Tammy Abraham, that by the way, misses the clearance. He, <laughs> he, tries to, he, he tries to do a scorpion kick clearance. Yeah. Wow. Oh, see, yeah. see. <laughs> we're talking about we're not him. Signing him for as a defender, though. Yeah. What's he doing there? <laughs> but um, yeah, Dawson, not my favourite player. It must not the favourite player. Oh, Palace. yeah, he's the one that elbowed elbowed Jules, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. really crocked him. Oh. Really crocked him. But yeah, well done, well done to the. To the, uh, well to the done, West but Brom. we don't like you, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goal updates for you throughout that game. Touching on the rest of those forward reviews, do you think it is time for positivity? Because one thing that we've seen with Palace all season, of course, is that the home form has been terrible. Mm. Now, this is bizarre for a club who are notorious for having superb home support. Do you think that the home crowd could be more supportive of the team? Do you think that might help them kick on at Selhurst? Well, we've always demonstrated at Selhurst that we have got really good support. And I think, you know, even when we weren't playing particularly well at earlier parts of the season, the support was still there. But it has seemed to have wavered a bit over, over recent weeks yeah. and it's quietened down. But definitely on Sunday, it was it was rocking, wasn't it? Like the old days. Uh, it was so loud. It was fantastic. So it's just there. It's like this little ebbing away and waiting for this home performance to sort of get everyone off their seats. I think next season, what's going to be important is that blocky, um, the singing section. I think that could play a massive role. We'll see how that works out. But the atmosphere this season at Selhurst, even with the HF coming back, I know they improved the atmosphere, um, but it's still not where where it was um i feel we, like we, we could... said that when we first went up though and and we talked about teams I, like stoke where they started out really well and I, I just you've got a lot of new supporters coming in and lots more lots more tourists it frustrates me every home game though i, I say in alpha alpha is not there there are you know people do start chants but it still could be better but the main stand from i can't of course i'm i'm not there but it looks like no one in the main there stand are. Like, more and more people joining in in the main stand, especially in the family block. So are we expecting am. an improvement all the way next season in yes. terms of atmosphere? I, I think, yeah, it, it goes in tandem with, with the, the effort that's, you know, I'm not saying that, that, that we have to win every home game. I think that we have to look as if we're trying. And I think we both, we've all touched on this, that we've been a little bit too negative at, mm. at the home games of recent. And uh, that's really frustrated a lot of fans. Uh, and, you know, Nobody really likes negativity, and it's you just feel like, oh, what am I doing here? I could have been doing something else. It's just a boring nil-nil, or or, or it's another loss at home. Um, and I think that you know, over the weeks, we've just lost that sort of noise and exuberance from the fans to really get off their feet and sort of give give because they're feeling the team isn't giving the effort, maybe, and they're thinking, well, why should we? You know, does that matter? Does <sighs> How how closely aligned are they? If the team are playing badly, the crowd aren't going to be as up for, for singing. Yeah, 
But, but even even earlier on in in the first couple of games um, at home at Selhurst, I remember playing Liverpool. I think it was a Monday night game. Yeah, it was very and poor. It was really poor. Monday night games where atmosphere is meant to be the best, but it was still poor. I think, yes, as the season has gone on, the atmosphere, the results has have, has affected the atmosphere and how we're playing at home hasn't been good, of course. But I feel like as fans, we still need to do a bit better. Well, we, I, we and me include like me. I'm not saying oh, I'm the best and no one else is chance. I'm just saying as fa- as a fan base, yeah. sell us. It, We've seen better days. And well, we missed the we missed the the fanatics weren't there at the beginning of the season, yeah. right? So that's that's one reason they're the ones that kickstart it. Um, and then we've got the second half of the season where we haven't been partake, playing particularly well. So that's that's two reasons why it's been a bit quiet. But I think next season is going to be key because there's, they are moving more central, and if everyone else gets behind them. Yeah, the same. Then the, the, it could be back to how it was. I think the idea of the singing section is to spread it out, really. So it's Evenly blocky, and then yeah, yeah. So yeah. others join in as well. But I feel like something else needs to happen in other stands as well, such as maybe the main stand and the alpha. I'm not saying the singing section, but something where we have a group, a small group, where we could encourage the fans. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's di- it's difficult because of as we've seen with the people that have been moved. Yeah. Out of Blocky in the Homesdale, they did. They've they've been there years. They didn't want to be that vocal, and and a lot of the main stand is. Although we've got the family section in there at each end, a lot of the fans are older, and yeah, they do join in a bit. But um, no, they they fun. they just no offence, and I'm 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 getting the same way myself. But we just haven't got it in us to to <laughs> be like that We're all getting through on the a bit, game. Aren't we? Yeah, and we just want to sit down rather yeah. than stand up because our knees I'm, hurt. I got a leaflet through my door, <laughs> over 50, for seniors. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, you being 15. I'm older than 15, all right, <laughs> and I've had this. Coming up, it's time for your listener questions. This is Love Sport. The Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And it's time for your questions. Just a quick update from that championship semi-final playoff leg two between West Brom and Villa. West Brom are 1-0 up on the night at home at the Hawthorns. It's 2-all. Remember that away goals do not count in championship playoffs. So as things stand, we're going to extra time and then we're going to the lottery of penalties. DR. Some questions. Yeah, we'll start with a light question. Uh, it was from Simply Will. It says, awake it and summer tour, get it sorted. I don't know. What, what's your ideas well, of well, summer tour? Are we being put in charge of yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. We're putting charge of it. Imagine right. if me and you designed the awake it. No, no. Imagine we we planned the summer tour as well. Where would we go? Well, I'd, I'd have a yellow kit with a, with a sash. I'm going with black I'm, kit. I'm going black kit. I'm going black kit with... You know, red, I'm, I remember that away kit that we had a couple of seasons ago in the Premier League where it was a black kit with red and blue. That was kind of decent, but you could modify that. I'm going for the old Brazilian kit we had, the yellow and green shorts. That was brilliant. Oh, that could work out as well. Yeah. Okay, what about Summer Tour? Summer Tour, well, you said that Roy doesn't like going. I remember we recorded yeah. a Christmas <laughs> thing yeah. in the middle Cor- of November we yeah, had Cornwall. to do it, didn't we? And you said Roy would go to Cornwall for his holidays. Yeah, and uh, it's not exactly glamorous, is it? No, no, but that's Roy. What about Palace? Yeah, well, Roy's got to go with him, hasn't he? Yeah, but not everyone wants to go Cornwall. You'd (laughs) want to go somewhere where you're going to play decent-ish teams, but you're also going to... 
I want us to try go and pick up more fans while we're there. I want us to go to America because I, I I feel like this season I'm going to go follow follow Palace on um, preseason. Um, so I want to go to America. I think that would be like good. I don't know about you lot. Yeah, I think we went to America. Didn't yeah, we? we did. We yeah. went to FC Cincinnati. Too much travelling involved yeah. in America. I'd like to go somewhere where you can just get to see all the games, not travel too far. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess Not so. too far. Dorset. Yeah. Dorset. Yeah. Seriously. That's quite, quite <laughs> easy, isn't it? You're far <laughs> enough away from home. Oh, wow. You've got right. Bournemouth, you've got Seven. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already played them twice a season. Did you think Dorset was a country, DR? No. Oh, good. That, that wouldn't surprise oh, me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, wherever we go, it won't be as far as Chelsea and Arsenal are going, will it? Mm, possibly not. Next question. Uh, Stephen Sheffield, he asks, what would be a good summer window? So there's different ways we could look at it. So who would we want to keep? Who would we want to sell? I don't know about you guys, but I think, first of all, who we want to keep? Zaha, and if we keep Zaha, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I feel like that's good in that part of the yep, window. Yeah. I'd say it's, um, get Luca to sign a new contract. Yeah, that's that would be massive as well. Uh, try and get Batswai. Um and if we can get some decent money for Benteke, I think that would be worth letting him go and so, using money to buy. It to so selling Benteke, that would be. I would be on my good. priority if we can get if we someone comes in with what I would say ridiculous money for him. Yeah, let him go. But not until we've got somebody to replace him with. That, that's got. Well, be a he said Batswai. So yeah, you've if got we, if we like, try to replace him. him. I'll be, uh, yeah, if that was a scenario, then yeah, I'll be happy. I'd like Butland in, Hennessy out. Oh. And I'd like to see the... Um, what do you think he would be? The Brazilian chap who's playing for the under-23s. Lucas maybe. Perry. Lucas Perry, maybe maybe see him in the goalkeeper's position. What do you think? Um, Dreyer, again, it might be like a new player. So uh, we've got James Daly, who's who's been doing quite well up front for the youth teams. Um, so we might we might look from within because remember we haven't got a lot of money. Yeah, do you think Jack Jack Butland will be happy to sit on the bench really? Because Gaeta is our first choice goalkeeper. If Butland comes to Palace, he's coming to Palace to play football. Yeah, but Surely. he can't. But he can't. I I see Gaeta as a bit better goalkeeper. I can't see. It. I think. I think we just have to keep him. And also, he's happy to yeah. Stay. And also, yeah. let's say all right, then Butland starts. Is Vicente going to be happy to be dropped for Jack Butland as well? He's not. He's yeah. he, both. So I don't. I don't see Jack Butland happening if Vicente Gaeta stays with us. But I feel like keep Wilfred Zaha and Aaron Wan Bissaka as well, uh, and also getting Michi Batshuayi. I, I feel like that'll be that'll be a good good summer window. I definitely need. We need to look at a left back. Yeah, and a left back. I, I'm not too sure who, but we, we need, need to. Yeah, we, we need, need to strengthen. We need to keep. I think we need to keep PVA, but we, he needs competition. Obviously. Yeah. I think realistically that would be a good summer window. It could happen, but it'll be hard. Um, so next one is from Mark Wenner. Keep Roy for final term of his contract and expect similar table finish or look elsewhere to try and push for top half or maybe last European spot. We've got the best points total in the Premier League era. Um, we've we've finished third in the league before. I mean, you weren't born then, DR, I don't think. Um, <laughs> what year? 1991, yeah. yes. As soon as I said 19, were you born then? Not a <laughs> I'm only 15, remember? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. It's the spots that gave it away. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, no, um, we've, we've improved season on season, haven't we? Mm. Um, I know people, I've, I've been castigated for this, for coming out 
I got castigated on a new forum, palacecomrades.com. I said I'd mention them. I've done it there. Um, somebody called me out for saying, oh, stop going on about curbishly leaving Charlton because that that's just one instance of one manager leaving a club and it, it's gone really, really bad for mm. them. But but who do you have? That, that's the thing. My only worry is it's one year. It's been spoken about before. Maybe get somebody in to be under his wing as well as having Lenny Lawrence there um, and have a smooth changeover. I mean, Liverpool used to get their managers from the boot room all the time, didn't they? What's, yep. what's happened to that? It can work. Coming up, we'll have some more of your questions. This is Love Sport. You're listening to Johnny Burrow, Dr. Kernas, James Howard, and of course Nick Gillard of the Back of the Nest for your Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio. Quick update for you in the Championship Playoff semi-final second leg between West Brom and Villa at the Hawthorns. West Brom 1-0 up on the night. It's 2-all on aggregate. And just a reminder for you that away goals do not count in this kind of fixture in the Championship. So as things stand, we are set for extra time. We're set for penalties. We'll be with you every step of the way here on Love Sport Radio. And DR, for now... We've got one more listener question. Yes, we've got one from Pete. He asks, should we all take a moment to acknowledge how much our boy Andros has contributed contributed to this season's campaign? That goal aside and the others, he's been the heart of the team and and he has been inspiring the fans and he's my player of the season. Yeah, good shout. He's been fantastic. What do you guys think of Andrew Townsend? Yeah, absolutely. He's had a really good season. Oh. I think he did score a few more goals the previous season, didn't he? But... Uh, I feel like he was he was a bit knackered coming towards the end of the season. Really, he's played a massive amount of minutes, yeah. and credit when credit is due, he's delivered really this season. Of course, he would have wanted more goals, but there's only so much you can do. It's like it's more of a physical thing with him. I think next season we just have to be better at limiting his minutes so we can get the best out of him. I feel like he's just run out of gas coming towards the end of the season, and he's still scored you know that brilliant goal against Cardiff last last week. So he's he's a, he's a good player for us and he's very underrated at times. Yeah, he doesn't. I think in the past he's been accused of sort of drifting in and drifting out of games, but you know I seem to see him all action these days. What I found yeah. weird was that yes, not yesterday, um, this weekend's game. I I don't feel like he had a particularly good game. I don't know about you guys, but he scored that goal. But there were so many times where he just um, passed the ball away. You know, he just seemed like he was an at it. But then again, he still managed to score a goal and. It really sums up Townsend. He just, even though he has a bad game, he can he can still have them moments and he's contributed. He's contributed to the team massively this season in cup games as well, not in the Premier League, and that's why he's probably run out of field towards the end. Hmm. An interesting one. I want to touch on Wilfred Zaha a bit further because I'm very interested by what Eddie Howe had to say in his post-match press conference after the game. He said, we didn't deal very well with Zaha at all. We've maybe not had a better individual opponent this season. He was very difficult to contain. High praise indeed. Let's bear in mind that Bournemouth have played, well, it's the end of the season. They've played everyone. They've faced Aguero, Sterling, Salah, Mane, Aiden Hazard. He's saying that for him, on the day, Zaha perhaps pipped all of those. How do you think he ranks amongst the very most elite players currently playing in England? Um, he's up there with the best players in England, uh, skill-wise. Um, pass possibly doesn't finish and score enough goals. He's getting better at that, though. Yeah, I feel like once he starts scoring more goals, he 
how do you separate him? He'd be the others? finished article, wouldn't he? Yeah, He'd be the hundred million pound player if he could score goals as well. It's the attitude a little bit that that worries me about him. Do the, you think he's got an attitude problem, he, Nick? He's maturing though. Passionate. Right, he, and, and reading it, it, between it, the lines, what does that mean? Well, it shows that he wants the best for the club, I think, and and for himself. Um, and it shows a real desire, and and you want that heart, and it it's tempering it without tempering his play, and the the goal that Townsend got, the, his run, was how he should do that: is take it out on the opposition through playing rather than taking it out on the opposition or slow clapping the ref. He's he's learning learning so much every season, I think. But you, you've got to think, is he is he yet at his peak? How old is he? 26? 27? Yeah. 27. Yeah. So he's got to be getting to that point where he's going to be at his peak. And controversial, you've also got to look, well, if we are going to offload him, is this the best time when he's near his peak so we can get the most cash for him? I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't quite put him up there with Hazard just yet, but he has the potential to be betterer. He has the potential to be Aiden better, I should say, than Aiden Hazard. Quite possibly, yes. No, I don't. Do you guys buy that? I don't see that happening. I feel like twenty. He's a very good player, but Aiden Hazard is a different class. Like it's not. It's not. I'm not disregarding Will's talent. But Aiden Hazard, there's a reason why he's wanted by likes of Real Madrid for around hundred million pound. Wolf is wanted by lots of big clubs like Man City and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich and yeah, there's some very good teams. But being wanted by Real Madrid at that price as well, where they're willing to pay hundred million pound, it just shows the class between them two. But I feel like Aiden Hazard is just on his own level. But then again, if Wolf Wolf is playing in a team that's below mid-table in the Premiership, if he played in a team such as, I don't know, Chelsea, Man United, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, whoever, he's going to look much better because he's going to have better players surrounding him. Yeah. And they're going to make him look better. I think I think he can step up. I, I still feel level. like his just finish is not up there to be with the likes of Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard, he, he's still a good finisher. Mm. You can fin- I feel like Wilfred Zaha, he's had opportunities this season. Like, and he just missed him. And what was it? Oh, it was, it was. I think, I don't know if it was a Cardiff game where he missed. I know he scored that goal, but he missed an opportunity before that. But he, he has missed some clear opportunities. And I feel like once he starts scoring them, then yes, he has. He will push on to the next level. But yeah, he's, I don't think he will go past Eden Hazard, really. I had another reason for bringing up those Eddie Howe comments. Because, of course, the Bournemouth manager there is giving Zaha about as much praise as it's possible to give a modern footballer. And that's in stark contrast to what Howe had to say about Zaha back in 2017 when he appeared to question his integrity, accusing him of diving uh, after that 2-2 draw. Now, we saw an instance in this game against Bournemouth, and I'm talking about Wilf's run for Batshuayi's second goal, where if a player were a diver, dive he would have gone because yeah, that was the first dive you would have gone what am I doing the first <laughs> the first challenge I thought I'm going to start that out and then Perks my producer just growled at me the first challenge is horrible if he catches him properly with that first challenge it's a potential leg breaker Wilf gets clipped hurdles it carries on the second challenge isn't a challenge at all it's a two-handed <laughs> shove again if he throws himself to the ground free kick to Palace 
in a broadly dangerous area, yellow card for the opposition, and on we go. He perseveres through both of those, shows absolutely no interest at all in going down, and sets up a goal at the end of it. Do you think we're still going to see Wilfred Zaha labelled a diver next season? We we say it every show. On Twitter, people say Wilfred's a diver. We say, show us the evidence. Nobody ever has. Even the time that he got booked for diving, it turned out he didn't dive. Whatever happens, he's always going to be labelled as a diver. That's his label now. It's just unfortunate. But when you think of when other fans mention Wilfred Zaha, even when I talk with my mates, they say, all right, cool, he dives. Like, And I say, show me the evidence, as Nick has said, but they don't. But I feel like that's just his label now. And it just, it's not something easy to like get like dusted away with. I, I feel like that's Wilfred Zaha now. He's going to be known as a diver when he doesn't dive. But I feel like when you look at that particular challenge by Lerma where he pushed him directly, I feel like the adrenaline just got to Wilf and that's why he didn't drop. Normally, let's say it was, a, it was another day and he didn't have that instance with the Bournemouth fans right before it. I feel like he he could have easier went down, but he was just so in a groove that he just he was a different guy. It reminded me of one of those computer games where you've got somebody and then you just suddenly hit the boost button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> just went into fast, powerful mode, and no yeah. one could touch him. It was absolutely fabulous to how, watch. How much of the "gonna cry in a minute" chant do you think spurred him on for that run? And how much of that is about that passion, that fight that you were mentioning, Nick? That uh, desire, perhaps, to wind people up, and if not wind them up, then certainly prove them wrong. Hundred percent. Yeah, dear. Hundred percent. I think that Bournemouth fans saying that. You could see it by his reactions. He reacted. He said, I can't hear you. And then after that, 20 seconds later, he goes run, He goes down the line and just destroys Bournemouth. As I said, I feel like they're drilling. Like, he can't convert that. I don't want... This is what I want with Zaha. I don't want him to show his frustration to away fans chanting because other fans are going to look at it and they're going to say, all right, it works. But what I want him to do is what he's done with that run. He just take that... You know, they're saying that use that as a motivation and just destroy their team which he did do and yeah that's that's what he should continue doing from next season as well I just want to see more of him taking advantage it's of not, it's not the first time we've seen him do that yeah he's yeah done he's so done it with times. Watford he's done it with Watford at home Absolutely. I remember where they were calling him a cheat and then he went on to score yeah. West Ham at home when they yeah. said that you're you're not too good for England and then he went to score and beat them so he has done that but I just don't want he, him to show his reaction out loud I'll always remember the time when we played West Ham at the bowling ground, Upton Park, and um, we were singing, he's just good, too good for you. And then the West Ham fans <laughs> sang back, he's just too good for you. And I thought, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still sure he's sticking around. Oh. And James, I am going to keep asking. But, yeah, Bournemouth fans, they were chanting that as well. Um, they were saying he's leaving you in the summer. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that's what they were chanting. Yeah, right. David Brooks, Callum Fraser, Callum Wilson. Ryan Fraser, I should say, all yeah. out the door at Bournemouth <laughs> as well by that logic. You know, exactly. I think it's important that we don't reach a point in modern football where every time a club outside the top six has a special player or even a very good player, they cut and run because it's exciting to see Zaha at Palace, to see Fraser at Bournemouth. It's what it should be about. He's a proper street kid, you know, who was raised up in the streets around Sellers Park. Uh, you know, he's he, he's he's come from um, a family that's local. He, he's He's gone away. He's come back home. He loves it at Palace. And, you know, you can see the passion when he plays. And, yeah, we do have to accept that he's got this personality that maybe gets him into trouble. But 
there is the other side of the coin which helps his game. So, yeah, I'm hoping he stays. He's a Palace man and Wilf will be a Palace boy next season if the lads get their way. Join us next week on the Palace Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.